0: Well, good afternoon again. My name is Scott, if we haven't met, and I love, love, love this time of year. I love the songs. I love the tastes, except for eggnog. I'm not in on that. Uh, I love, I love this time of year. And I brought a photo of me from when I was younger at the holidays to share with you guys, if we can get my slides up here in a second. There we go, right here. This is, this is, this is me. Uh, I grew up in Las Vegas, and when I was, I don't know how old that is, five, six years old, it snowed in Las Vegas. And so I was so excited to catch snowflakes on my tongue, and uh, that's my little brother there in the beanie. Uh, He still wears it. I saw him yesterday. He still wears a beanie like that. And uh, we just, we loved this time of year. And and one of the things we looked forward to was presents. We looked forward to the ones that we asked for, and we looked forward to the ones that we asked for. We knew our parents couldn't afford, and I can remember everything. Every year my aunt uh, would send us a present. But my aunt uh, didn't have any kids. She she wasn't married. She was tremendously successful in her career. And so rarely did we get a box like this. Typically it was an envelope that would be like stashed in the tree amidst the branches and it had cash. And so my aunt would say, "Hey, I'm so sorry. I waited till the last minute. I hope you don't mind." And I'm like, "What kid doesn't enjoy cash?" Like stop apologizing, Aunt Ellen. But but one year this um this this package came, it was underneath the tree and it said to Scott from Aunt Ellen. And I was like, "She sent a gift. This is so weird. And uh, I can remember getting the box and, and I opened it and inside the box was a baseball. And I'm like a baseball. I would have loved some cash, you know, like <laughs> this is really weird. And, um, And there was a little note, so I opened up the note, and my aunt said, hey, I was at this auction for this charity event, and I saw this item, and I bid on it for you, and I wanted you to have it because I knew that you would love it. And I brought it here today. It's a baseball that was signed by these guys, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. It's still pretty cool today. I, I have it up my mantle at home. Still, kind of like surprising that like I have this, but it, it is the only gift I can ever remember my aunt giving me as a kid, because it was so memorable. I can remember as a kid going to NASA and the Johnson Space Center in, in Houston, where my grandparents lived, and I can remember seeing the Saturn V rocket and one of the space shuttles, and and it just was so amazing to like as a little kid have this and so it's still one of my prized possessions today and so I, we've passed on our, our love for space to our kids and we watch rockets be launched and that's probably why that, that, that story and that, that moment is why it caught my attention recently when I heard somebody tell the story of what happened during the space race. For those of you who don't remember your US history, in the 60s, there was this existential competition happening in the world between the USSR, the Soviet Union, in America, we were racing to space and we were racing to the moon. And it represented all the things that were happening in the world in the, in the Cold War and the conflict between the two nations. And at first, it seemed like the Soviets were going to win because they made it to space first. This guy right here, Yuri Gagarin, was the first uh, person, the first human to make it to space. And he got there and he was in space for a while, then came back, uh, this cosmonaut. And when he was interviewed, he famously said these words. He said, I went up to space and I didn't see God. Which for him and for his atheist nation seemed like a win. He made it to space and he got up there and God wasn't there. And in his mind, that must mean that God didn't exist. But not long after that, this guy, Clive Staple Lewis, C.S. Lewis, uh, who at the time was a very prolific writer and a professor at Oxford, he wrote an essay. And in that essay, he said, it's wrong to expect that, that we relate to God the way we relate to our upstairs neighbors. He said, that's kind of what Yuri expected. You know, we live down here on the first floor. And if there is a God, God lives up here. And so all we really knew, need to do is kind of get up to the second floor. And Yuri said, hey, I got up there and there was no God. But here's what Lewis said. He said, we don't relate to God the way we relate to our upstairs neighbors. We relate to God the way that Hamlet would relate to Shakespeare. And if you think about it, Gagarin and Buzz and Neil, they all went to space and they didn't see God there because that's not how we relate to God. We relate to God the way that Hamlet would relate to his creator, Shakespeare. For those of you who remember high school English class, we're going through all the classes tonight. I didn't plan this, but it's happening that way. If you can remember your high school English class and Hamlet, Hamlet is this play and, 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 and there's nothing in there about Shakespeare, He's the one who wrote it. He created all these characters, but no one who'd be standing on a stage like this performing Hamlet would know anything about Shakespeare because that's not how it works. Those characters are just playing their parts in this grand and great story. The only way for those characters to know who Shakespeare is would be if the author revealed who he was to the characters would be if there was a part of the story where Shakespeare told Hamlet about himself. And Lewis says, that is how we relate to God. Where God is Shakespeare and we are Hamlet and God chooses to reveal himself to us. We just read the story Jen did for us from Luke 2, where the angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. God wrote himself into the story He wrote himself into human existence so that we could know who he was and who he was like. And this had been prophesied long ago. In Matthew 1, we read this. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. This idea that God would leave his comforts of heaven and come to earth, that we might not only know about him, but that we would know him. And John, one of the closest disciples of Jesus, would go on to write these words, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And God could have sent us a lot of messages. He could have sent the messages a lot of different ways. He could have written something in the sky. In our modern day, he could have sent us an email or a text. You know, my kids asked me last week, "Dad, what's a fax?" I never felt so old in my life. You know, he could have sent us a fax, but he didn't. What he did is he sent us Himself. He came Himself, not just that we would know information about Him, but that we would know Him personally. And so I wonder, what difference does God with us make? You've probably heard it in songs. If you've heard songs about Emmanuel or Goat's Hell on the Mountain, if you've heard songs as you've gone around the city during Christmas, you've heard this phrase, God with us. Well, Well, that's what it means for God to come and be with us as Jesus. But what difference does that make? How does that actually play out in the midst of a real moment in our lives? And I I thought I might share with you a story today that was first told to me about eight years ago. It involves my friends, Chris and Alex. Chris and Alex were one of those like beautiful couples that have it all together together I mean, he was successful in her job and she was a young mom and they, she really dressed her kids like they all matched all the time and like really nice clothes. And I'm just happy my kids have clothes on and there's no holes in them when they come to church sometimes, you know, they, they just, they had it all together, at least from the outside, but inside their home and inside their life, things were very different. Things were chaos. They had young kids and they were just struggling to hold things together. And everything fell apart one day when Alex got some news. She was pregnant. This was not a planned baby. This wasn't a planned pregnancy. And, and they were struggling just to take care of the kids they already had. And then they learned they were going to have another one. And as the story was told to me many years ago, Alex said to Chris that day, I don't think I can do this because she felt like if they had another child, not only was it going to be overwhelming for their parenting, it was going to be overwhelming for their relationship. And so they began to have some incredibly difficult conversations, some incredibly scary conversations. That day they began to contemplate what it would mean to end the life of their child. They went as so far as to go to a clinic and have an interview And Chris was struggling. He didn't know what to do. And he knew that his wife was overwhelmed, but he didn't feel comfortable with the steps they were taking. And so as they walked out of the clinic that day, across the street, accidentally, providentially, out of nowhere, he saw a single man holding a sign. And the sign said, Jesus loves you. Wasn't a long sermon. There wasn't a bullhorn yelling, wasn't mean or angry. It was just a reminder that they were loved. And Chris, as he tells the story, that was what began a different kind of conversation and a different kind of path. And he cites that sign as the reason why they decided to not go back to the clinic, as the reason why they decided to keep that child. And I heard this story after this child had already been born. And for him, Chris, my friend, that was the story of what Emmanuel, God with us, meant. It was this sign showing up at the perfect time. God being with him. And he walked away from that moment with a message, a sense from God. And that sense was, Chris, you are not alone. God is with you. And there's another way. And so together, Chris and Alex decided that they were going to keep that baby. That's what God with us meant for them. That child would live. Now, I don't know what you're overwhelmed with today. I don't know what has surprised you and come out of nowhere that's left you reeling and not sure what to do. But these words might be the words that you need to hear. Emmanuel, You are not alone. God is with you and there is another way. God's with you right now in the middle of whatever you're facing. Whether it's a pregnancy or a diagnosis, whether it's a a right turn or what feels like a right hook, God is with us here. And that makes all of the difference. That sign was rooted in this verse. Verse. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. I'm so glad that that man decided to go to that clinic that day and hold up a sign that didn't announce God's condemnation but his love and his presence. And I'm here today and I don't have a sign in my hands, but I'm holding a sign for you because I want you to know that there is good news of great joy for all people. A savior has come. And the good news is that his love for you is not bound by your past decisions or your present reality. It is greater than them both. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible comes from Romans 8, where it says, "And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love." And that's what Jesus coming at Christmas is meant to announce to us that God is near us, that we are not alone that he loves us and that there is another way that he is making for us. You know, this is a a gift that I'll never forget. But there's another gift that we've been talking about today that's an even better gift. This was a surprise because my aunt didn't give gifts and I'm not sure you can find these anymore. They're not making any more of them. But there was a gift that was given once. And it's available to all of us. And if your heart has been stirred today and God's working and and you sense that you want to invite his presence deeper into your life, if you want his presence and his love to change everything for you, then there's a few steps that you could take today. And I want to share those with you right now. First, you could admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. The reason why Jesus had to come into the world is that we needed to be saved. That's why it was good news of great joy for all people that no matter what you've done or where you've been in Jesus, you can be saved. B, that you would believe that Jesus is the savior that's come for you. It's not enough for me to believe it. And then for him to save me, you have to believe it for yourself. It doesn't work for you to rest on my belief. You have to have it for yourself. And then C, that you'd confess that Jesus is your Lord and commit that you're going to follow him for the rest of your life, that you're going to make him your leader. That decision to embrace that gift could change everything for you this year. And right now, I want to invite you to to make that decision with me. So if you would, would just bow your heads where you are, close your eyes. I don't believe that We're here by accident today. And I don't believe that Jesus came on accident one day long, long ago. Jesus loves you. And he's come to be near you and with you. And what he's done for you in coming and then what he does later on the cross in dying for you has the potential to change everything about your life. So if you're ready to make that decision and embrace that gift today, then I just want to encourage you to raise your hand quietly, slowly where you are today. Anyone prepared to make that decision today? Receive that gift. Well, I want to give you a chance to pray with me. You can just repeat these words where you are silently in your heart or you can say them out loud. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for being here with me. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that you are my savior and that you can change and redeem everything about me. I accept your forgiveness, Jesus. And I confess that you are my Lord and my leader. I want to follow you. Thank you for coming for me and thank you for loving me. I am so, so grateful. In your name we pray. Amen.